Do you like games? Cool. Do you like fantasy football? Well, you're here. Do you like games about fantasy football? Sweet. I have the perfect podcast for you. Dynasty Game Night, hosted by yours truly, Russ Fisher, Matt Price, John Bosch, and Rocky Petrella. We play games about fantasy football. You might learn a little something, but really, we're just here to have fun. So if you like playing a game about a game about a game, then check out Dynasty Game Night, a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Ryan. Over there is Matt, and we are on episode 513 of the DLF Dynasty Podcast, and we are just days away, Matt, from the 2022 NFL Draft. We're going to see so many... Uh, so many great athletes drafted into great new awesome landing spots, right? That's what we're that's where what we're anticipating. <laughs> At least, uh, you know, like give us a, a solid first round to draft from. Uh, it feels like that maybe is not going to happen outside of the wide receiver position, but we're excited about these wide receivers. We're excited about really. I think there's something to get excited about at every position, and certainly each day of the draft, there's going to be some intrigue, Ryan. I think for me, I'm, I'm going to get to hang out with you, you two guys, and, and a couple of other buddies from from DLF and around the industry, and I'm I'm just more excited about that than even these landing spots. Yep. Yeah, I think I'm as well. Uh, it's you know, it's it, it's a double bonus. Two two things I always look forward to: hanging out with friends, and of course the NFL draft. Um, I'm I'm glad we have the friends part to kind of balance it out because the draft. Could bring a little disappointment, ultimately. Yeah, there's um, we have a bunch of expectations that we're going to talk about here in a minute. But um, we, we decided this week we're going to try to get into as many more rookies as we possibly can. We're going to get through five, six, seven, whatever we can, we can fit into the show. And then we have to end the pre-NFL draft process with a final mock draft. So that will be single quarterback for the first time this offseason. That'll be fun. Try to get a couple... Um, rounds into that, at least 24 picks into that draft to get a good feel of where we are before we hear these landing spots and, and get to digest all that information. Next week, guys, we'll have another one of those mocks. We'll, we'll talk about as many of these landing spots as possible, but first we better get into this week's episode. The Startup. You know... Over the last couple months, guys, we've been trying to to phase in different conversations to every episode and, and talk about veterans and talk about rookies and talk about strategy and pretty much cover cover the gauntlet of dynasty fantasy football. Not this week. Let's 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 just focus in on the draft. Uh, we're going to talk about as many rookies as we can, of course, and we'll start with NFL draft expectations. And I just thought it would be fun, fellas. To, to lay down the groundwork for what we expect going into night one, night two, and really the entire seven rounds of the NFL draft from a dynasty perspective. And, and the best way to start that conversation for me, Ryan, is, is listing the player we're most interested in seeing drafted. Who's that guy for you? Uh, I feel like I'm going a little chalky here, but I'm, I'm going to say Malik Willis. Um, I, I think there's such a wide range of um, uh, possibilities for his landing spot. Of course, we've all heard Detroit at two overall could select him. It seems like the Steelers at 20 is, is his floor, but really it, it could be either of those landing spots or, or, you know, several in between that. Uh, and then also when I think about Willis, I mean, we've talked about him before on the show. I think from a, at least from a super flex standpoint, he's, he's the player with the highest upside. He's the potential, um, one of the guys that's the potential 101 in those rookie drafts with that setting. Um, so it's it's the landing spot is is huge for him. For me, I, I wanted to go a different direction. I, I wrote down Willis as well because I'm int- intrigued. I'll pivot to Isaiah Spiller because he's a guy mm-hmm. we as yep. dynasty managers have have thought very highly of, especially Devi managers that are out there. We we've been drafting him high for years, and now all these 
all these all the negativity has crept in and, and his combine numbers and, and and athletic profile, that's all seeped in to the point where now we're seeing him mocked in the third or fourth round of the NFL draft. So I'm intrigued to see not only where he ends up, but with what draft pick. We we just got to hope it's a top 100 pick. Matt, is there somebody for you? Yeah, I wrote down four names, and you guys took two of them. So uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna not follow your rules, and I'm gonna say both of them. The first one, I'll go to wide receiver George Pickens. I mean, I, depending on his draft capital and landing spot, I don't think it's out of the question that we could be drafting him as as one of the first three receivers off of the board in our, our rookie drafts. And then another receiver, Jamison Williams. You know, I think the teams are probably gonna have to wait on him for a little bit. Um, but if he goes to the right landing spot, a team that's willing to wait for him to get healthy, I think uh, you know, depending. on obviously where he goes and the usage he gets, uh, that could be a, a really exciting pick for us. Ryan, you mentioned some of the draft landing spots for Malik Willis. And, you know, that's a fun conversation too. You know, when you look at that first round, especially, there are some prime landing spots for specific positions. You can you can mention Green Bay or Kansas City with wide receivers. That Pittsburgh spot at number 20 for me is one that I'll I, I can't wait to see which direction they go because of all the intrigue with the local quarterback prospect of Pickett, with if Malik Willis is still available there, would they go that route with the athletic quarterback? Or would they stay true to form more and stick to the interior of that offense or the interior of that defense and bolster those units because they could go so many different ways and it and it really affects a lot of the dynasty players that we care so much about is there a pick in that first round ryan to you that you're you're really intrigued to see which way the team goes uh yeah certainly there's there's a few uh but again i'm going with the chalk i can't believe you didn't say it dan it's it's green bay it's green bay they've got the yeah. two late first rounders uh i gotta we, le- i gotta leave the layup for you guys every now and then okay i, I appreciate it you're making things <laughs> easy on me here um with, with two first rounders you know we we think they're going to take a wide receiver. We, we certainly hope so. I know that there have been those expectations in the past, and that hasn't played out. So um, I, I do think the situation is different this year, um, obviously with Adams gone and, again, having multiple first-rounders, multiple second-rounders as well, I believe. Uh, that, that's got to be the one spot. But Kansas City also has two uh, first-rounders as well. They need some wide receiver help after their offseason moves. Um, so I, I think those are the two spots and the four picks uh, late in the first round that are really interesting, which is good news because, you know, you, you sit through, we get we get hyped up for the draft. We sit through the first hour. Maybe there's only been four picks left and you're thinking, and this is this might be a long night. This is something I was looking forward to, but it's, it's dragging a little bit here. Now we know on Thursday night, some of the picks we care the most about will be in that that final eight to ten picks. Yeah, end with some fireworks. Matt, is there one for you? I'm really interested in seeing what the Jets do. You know, it's clear that they want a wide receiver. They they went after Tyreek Hill. Um, it seems like they're interested in Debo. That doesn't feel like it's going to happen. Um, so I, that's that. They've got two picks in the in the top ten, number four and number and number ten. I wonder if if they they take a leap at wide receiver at four just to make sure they get the, the guy that they want. Cause I'm pr- pretty sure, I think we're all pretty sure there's none of them going in the top three um, with those three first three teams. Um, but if New York takes a wide receiver at four, that's really strong. And I think, you know, it, it's considerate consideration has to be placed on that, whatever player that would be at four, uh, you know, for the one Oh one overall on a one quarterback league. Yeah, I don't I don't see that happening with those pass rushers at the top and the offensive linemen. Their needs mesh well with those needs as well. So or what's available there at the top. I could see them doing that thing at 10, though, and getting there and still yeah. maybe getting their top wide receiver. There's certainly the potential of that. How about a sleeper, Matt? Is there a is there an offensive skill player that you're especially excited about going off on probably Friday or Saturday? Yeah, I don't know if he's going to get drafted at all. And I mentioned him a little bit, uh, I don't know, in one of the mocks we did. But Kevin Harris, running back from South Carolina, 5'10", 221. Um, second best vert amongst running backs. Third best broad jumped. Uh, he had an incredible sophomore season. Did not have a great uh, junior season. There's some injuries in there. A 12% reception share in that season. So uh, he's just a big, big, big back that can catch the ball. So I'd be excited to see him go somewhere useful for fantasy. 
Brian, is there somebody for you? I don't know if these guys fall into the sleeper category, um, but I think that second or, or maybe even third tier of running back, I think that second or third tier of running back is really interesting where you've got Brian Robinson, you've got the two Georgia guys, you've got Damian Pierce. So I think we'll, we'll really get some separation uh, among that group once we know draft capital and landing spots. So just seeing how that tier sorts out is one thing I'm watching. Yeah, I, I think my guy kind of qualifies inside that tier or maybe the tier behind that, and that's Pierre Strong from from my neck of the woods over here in South Dakota. He, he was a jackrabbit at South Dakota State, and we're going to talk about him a little bit more here coming up, so I, I don't, I don't want to give it all away. But I, I recently did an uh, update to my rankings, and I thought I was going to be pretty high on him. I think I put him at 22. Turns out that's pretty even, about in the middle of the pack of the five or six of us that do rookie rankings at DLF. So it seems like people are are coming around to Pierre Strong, potentially being one of those one of those late round guys that make an impact early in his career. Um, Haverlock has him as an eleven. Yeah, pretty high. Um, <laughs> that's I, I I said I I thought I was going to be high on him, not yeah. nearly as high as Jeff apparently. So. <laughs> Uh, we'll see how that plays out. I'm excited to see how he turns out as a pro. Um, that I think that's all the positives. We should probably get to maybe some of the negatives. There's there's probably going to be some players that fall. Most likely a couple of quarterbacks that fall, at least in my opinion. Is there a specific player, Matt, that you, you kind of anticipating maybe dropping in dynasty rankings because of a fall on draft day? I mean, he's kind of already fallen. We've mentioned it, but Spiller is the one that sticks out pretty like a sore thumb to me rashad white as well uh you know we saw we did that dan dane brubler mock last week and he was a sixth round pick i mean if that happens he's basically dead right so those those running backs i think that after those top two are really just a like we just have no idea I mean, we, we assume some are gonna go in round round three uh and four but you know maybe they maybe the ones that were really interested or have been interested in this process uh, are, are fall much further than we thought, and that's a killer for their dynasty value. Ryan, how about you? Yeah, I think the Spiller hate has probably gone too far. Too far. Too far. So yeah. I, I kind of, I think, I think he's done the falling already. I could see him actually gaining, regaining a little bit of dynasty value uh, after the NFL draft. Me too. But uh, the one I went with, who I expect to fall in the draft and uh, lose some value again, thinking about the superflex uh, format is is Kenny Pickett. You know, we talked about him on here a, a couple weeks ago and uh struggled to really see the upside and and you know, I I could certainly see him falling out of the first round at this point. I don't think it's a lock he he gets drafted on day 1 and, and of course that that would hurt his uh super flex value. He's already a player that dynasty managers seem uneasy about uh, about spending a first round pick on or a top pick on. Uh, so if he falls, that would just kind of give us the uh, the ammo to let him fall even further. As we all know, rookies aren't the only one finding new homes on draft night. Lots of times, that's that's a perfect storm for veterans to get traded. And there's a few, you know, bouncing around on Twitter. You see the names that could potentially move. Ryan, is there a guy that you're ex- especially excited to see a new new start for somebody, a veteran that could be traded on draft night? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how excited I am about this player, but I, I think we probably see Baker Mayfield moved. Uh, it seems like the the talk has uh, uh, started to heat up again after a, a couple quiet weeks on that. So I, I do think it makes sense. And uh, I mean, obviously, he wants a new team. The Browns. Uh, do not want to pay him and do not want him on that roster. They brought in uh, not only Deshaun Watson, but they brought in a, a couple of other um, backups this off season. So he's, he's clearly not in their future plans in any form. Uh, so go, go ahead and get him off that roster right now. Uh, yeah, I think Baker is, is at the top of the list. Debo, you know, all the rumors we've had about him. And then two other players I thought about. One was Jimmy Garoppolo. I think, you know, the, the Niners would, would like to get rid of him. It just seems like nobody is really interested. And then a super dark horse, I would say, maybe Saquon Barkley. Because, you know, I, I just 
I don't know if it's likely, but like if he plays another season and he's, he's either disappointing or gets injured again, like his trade value is completely gone at that point. And both in dynasty, obviously, um, uh, but also in terms of NFL uh, value. So he's one that I've I'm, I'm kind of holding out for. What about his teammate? The whole the, all the Kadarius Tony rumors yeah, that yeah. we saw this yeah, week. He, you know, it seems like that's that's a lot of smoke for there not to be a fire. He's a knucklehead. They, they, he, he, there was a report last week that he didn't pick up his hadn't picked up his playbook, hadn't even showed up for any off season. Uh, and then there was that tweet from I forget who it was uh, at this point, but that said that yeah they they're they're taking calls for him. So um, I don't know. I, he's a player that I'm glad I stayed away from in fantasy. To be honest with you, hmm. he was a guy I was in on and might uh, might have made a little mistake <laughs> on that one. Uh, before we get to the rookie report, guys, let's talk about our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. We've been associated with these guys for a couple of years, and I tell you, they've been they've been great to be working with. Monkey Knife Fight is a fantasy sports site that isn't like all the others that are out there. Instead, it's built for the rest of us, so you don't have to compete against those professional players. Um, it's made for the average fan to have a chance at winning. Monkey Knife Fight offers the ability to, to play a wide variety of fantasy contests including their popular more or less games along these you to simply pick if a player is going to score more or less than his given line in addition to all the usual games for football baseball basketball and hockey you can also play contests in golf soccer nascar ufc esports and more not only can you play these fun unique games but if you sign up at dynastyleaguefootball.com you'll get a full year of dlf premium for free, simply log on to our site, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click the banner image for Monkey Knife Fight, and create a new account with an initial deposit. Monkey Knife Fight will match that initial deposit up to $100, and your DLF sub will be set up automatically within 36 hours. What are you waiting for? Go sign up today. It's time for the Rookie Report. Yes, it is time for the final rookie report going into the NFL draft. And guys, we've we've covered 14, 15, 16 of these guys, and we need to get a few more in. So let's try to hammer through as many as we can in our allotted time. We each picked a couple of players, and I'm going to start it off with Jalen Tolbert. He's, man, he's a guy that I feel like is a little bit underrated. Maybe that's because of the, the lower... Um, division that he played in in college he he didn't have the same kind of competition as some of these other wide receivers that we're so excited about but when you factor in that he's going to be a second round pick in most rookie drafts no matter where he ends up this coming week um I I really like the upside there's really only a handful of guys with the potential to be a number one NFL wide receiver for their team and I think Tolbert is on the back back part of that list of four or five players he's he's got good size at 6'1 194 um he's a size speed guy 44940 in the 40 yard dash jumped 36 inches for his vertical as well and he's he's more of a possession receiver with some speed that's how I classify him anyway. He, he's better underneath than on short to intermediate routes. Those crossers, that deep dig, he's he's really good at. And he's, I would call, above average at, at the point of the catch and pretty good after the catch. So I think there's some development. He has some maddening drops. And I, I'm not 100% sure about that killer instinct that we like so much to go get that 50-50 ball. Maybe that's something he needs to work on. But he's most likely, Ryan, going to be drafted in the second or third round of the NFL draft. Probably probably closer to third, most likely. But that that's a hot spot where we've seen so many quality NFL receivers and good values for Dynasty come from. Tolbert is, is probably going to end up on a handful of my Dynasty teams this offseason. Yeah, I, I like Tolbert as well. I'm, Dan, I'm not surprised you like him because he reminded me a little bit of, of Calvin Ridley. Um, maybe, maybe a poor man's Calvin Ridley there. Uh, and, and like Calvin like Ridley, that. he's, co- he's coming into the league as an older prospect, uh, already 23 years old. So if, if that's something you factor heavily into your, uh, your evaluation, maybe, maybe that's why, uh, Tolbert is hanging down around the late second round of, 
uh, of our rookie ADP. That's where he is, the 212 right now, and the 14th wide receiver. You know, it's interesting. We've done three uh, sets of uh, rookie ADP now over the past three months, and Tolbert has been the wide receiver 14 in all three of those uh, all three of those months. Felt like more of a riser to me. He's moved up a little in, in overall ADP, but hung on to that, uh, that wide receiver 14 range. Also wide receiver 14, according to Grinding the Mocks. And Dan, like you said, they expect him to be uh, a day two pick. Yeah, I like, I like Tolbert too. He seems like somebody who, I don't know if this is the right term. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not cool with my, with my lingo, but I feel like he's a, one of those post hype sleepers a little bit. Cause he had such steam like early on in the draft process. Right. And then like recently it seems like he's people have cooled on him. But uh, when you watch him, I mean, I think, I think Calvin Ridley really is a good comp. Marvin Jones is another one I've heard that I, I kind of like just a really good route runner. Um, uh, obviously very good athleticism, 700-plus-yard games this season, so the production is there too. And it's against, you know, SEC cornerbacks. That uh, One game that stuck out for me to watch, if people want to go see like a full game of him, was the Tennessee game, uh, just just really just dominating in that, in that kind of game. So, uh, But like you, Dan, like you said, Dan, the physicality is maybe a little bit of a question, um, so I think that's going to be his biggest hurdle at the next level. Ryan, is there a guy near and dear to your heart for when when you watch football on Saturdays for the last couple of years that that you really want to highlight? Yeah, we we can't we can't go into the draft and not talk about Wandell Robinson. Um, we we've talked so much about Spiller as a as a faller uh, through this process. Uh, Robinson's kind of been the wide receiver version of that. Unfortunately, uh, early in the off season, it looked like he might be. Uh, potentially on knocking on the door of, of a first-round uh, rookie pick, and, and that's certainly out of the question now, uh, mostly due to his his measurements. Came in at 5'8 uh, at the Combine, and uh, that's that's not quite the uh, a killer in in dynasty terms to your dynasty value, but it's it's pretty close. Uh, so that's I think that's going to hurt his uh, draft stock. I do still expect him to be a day-two pick, Um but but that that will hurt and and it's already hurt his dynasty value. But it really comes down to that landing spot with yeah. with Robinson because he he just screams as as the type of player that needs an offensive coach and play caller that sees him more as a weapon than he does pinholding holding him into one specific role. So, you know, I, I'm excited about Robinson, and certainly if you, if you watched any Kentucky football, you, you know that he was, he was their offense, really. He was the most dynamic player on the field, no matter who they were playing, it really felt like. Um, but when he gets to the next level, he won't be the best athlete on the field anymore. So, so, right. so some coach is going to have to see his strengths and try to put him in the position to, to make plays with those strengths. And that is, it's just a little bit of a risky proposition if you're investing anything more than than a late second round rookie pick, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and you know, it, I think Rondell Moore, um, another another kid from Kentucky um, that we saw last year, probably didn't help the Wondell Robinson case um, because right. he came, he came into the league similar measurements, a similar game, similar versatility to his to his game. Um, and more and, fanfare. And yeah, yeah, much more fanfare actually. And really, you know, failed to to make an impact. And we're not giving up on on Rondell Moore quite yet, but it, it certainly seems like we overvalued him through that process. Last year maybe the Cardinals did as well. Um so yeah, I mean I, I think Robinson will be a, a third round pick. I think he'll be a late second round pick in in rookie drafts, and that's that's a better chance to take. Um but I think your point is a good one that he needs the the ideal landing spot, the ideal coaching staff. I mean, the dream for a Wondell Robinson fan, for a Kentucky fan, is the L.A. Rams because um, that's where his uh, that's where Kentucky's former offensive coordinator is now, Liam Cohen. Um, he left the Rams to come to Kentucky one year, coaching Wondell Robinson and the rest of the team. And he he got the OC job in in LA, so that's that's the dream. The bad news is they seemingly have no picks at all. So I don't know uh, I don't know that they're even going to be in line to to draft Robinson. Matt, 
when you watch Robinson, do you see a role for him at the next level or at least one that translates into production for dynasty managers? It's going to be tough. I mean, I, I was just curious, you know, I was, you guys know, I was really into Rondale Moore as we all were last, last season. So I wanted to look up a player, a list of players that were five, eight or, or under, and the list is not kind. <laughs> the list is not very kind to those players. Crowder, right? Cole, Jameson Cole Beasley. Yeah. Cole Beasley. Uh, the one that sticks out for me, and if he could be used this way, um, I think it would be pretty awesome. I know he used to play running back. Darren Sproles played running back and receiver. Darren Sproles was 5'6". He's really the one that the only one that was really ultra productive in the NFL and it was a, you know, his career was long, but I would say his usefulness for fantasy was, you know, a, a pretty short stint uh when you when you look at it in relative terms. But he's but but Wandell Robinson, he has everything except the size. I mean, he 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 has such quick acceleration that you see him gain vertical separation so early in routes, you know, if if it lands in a place where there's a quarterback that's going to trust him on those, even despite his size. Um, you know, I think there is a role, and it's if he, if he wants to, especially if he wants to be that hybrid kind of. I don't want to call him a gadget player because I, you know, that you can use that term for players that can play more than one position. But if he embraces that, then I think it's it's much more likely that he'll succeed. And it, like you said, uh, Ryan, if he lands in a place with a creative play caller, a play caller that knows his abilities like the Rams, um, then it, it could it could work. I think so. I'm 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 happy to spend a late second round pick on on Wandale if uh if he gets there yeah I, th- I think we all land right in that range with Wandale uh, exciting uh ultimate upside but but most likely a pretty low floor with Wandale and but if you're investing in a player like that a, a late second round price tag doesn't feel all that bad Matt we've talked about a couple quarterbacks throughout this rookie report um series leading up to the draft we talked about Malik Willis in depth we also hit on Kenny Pickett here a couple weeks ago. Who's the third guy for you when it comes to to quarterbacks we need to talk about? Well, I go back. I feel like the after Malik for me, there's there's a, there's a tier of three, and that includes Pickett, who we've already talked about, and there's two other guys we'll talk about today. The first of those is Matt Corral, uh, and you know he has that injury, which I think has really played into his is uh kind of fall this off season and as we've gone through the pre-draft process but there's some there's some things to like uh he's an accurate passer he's got you know okay size i guess he's not he's not the six four six five like statue of a quarterback that you think of of an nfl quarterback but he's he's fine at that rate he's a, he's a very accurate passer i think the problem with him is that uh, you know, it's not not really an NFL offense at all. Tons and tons of RPOs and short and intermediate offense. If he gets into a, a situation where the, the coach is going to design an offense around him, it could be good. Um, I did hear some interesting uh, stats on him recently. Uh, our buddy Rich Rebar uh, has a stat that says on st- dropbacks of three steps or more, uh, he did that on just 22% of the time, which is the lowest rate in college football. And the NFL average is 62%. So uh, he does not have a lot of uh, experience doing traditional uh, NFL quarterback things. So it's going to be a transition. It doesn't seem like he's going to be a starter in year one. You know, maybe none of these guys are in this year's class, but um, he's certainly going to need some development at the next level or land with a team that's going to want to design an offense based around what he does well. I've been pretty critical of the quarterback class and, you know, going back to Corral, I, I watched him for the last few years in, in those kitchen sink leagues, Ryan, it seems like he was always traded uh, a Debbie prospect. Yeah. He was available a few years ago. I think he even got dropped in one of my leagues and was available again in the, in the, in the Debbie draft again the next year. So I've watched him. And then in this process, I, I turned on the film one more time and it felt to me like he improved drastically in his final season at Ole Miss, his, yeah. especially as with his accuracy. You, you mentioned those RPOs and the quick throws and the ball out of his hands and things. Those look, look kind of clunky early in his career. And his footwork and release and accuracy was cleaned up drastically. So even though I've been, I've been kind of down on the class, I really feel like if, if Corral is the one that that drops in Superflex rookie drafts into the middle of the second round or something like that and has at least a a decent coaching staff, maybe not even the landing spot, but a coach that you feel good about developing a cor- young quarterback, I'd be willing to pull the trigger on Corral just on that upside and the amount of, of uh, improvement he made over the last year. 
behind behind uh, Willis, I think he has the highest ceiling of any of the quarterbacks in this class. Just I think that's fair. He's good at. Yeah. Uh, one other one other fun note. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not fun. I don't know. But also something I heard from Rebar was that apparently he was kicked out of high school for getting in a fight with Rain, Wayne Gretzky's kid. Yeah. That's crazy. And he lost his scholarship to USC yeah. uh, in the process, which was his dream school. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of a crazy story. There was some off the field stuff with that. And apparently he cleaned all that up and has been a model citizen and, and a great teammate since then. Um, I've, I've really marveled at how much he's improved. He's not, it's not like he's this pocket passer that just stands in there like a statue either. He's yeah. athletic. He moves around. He looks to go down the field, but he picks up chunk yardage at times. At least he did in college. And that could translate to the next level as well. Ryan, it really comes down to where he lands and, and how, how far that fall is for Corral. Do you have a gauge on, on where he, what day at least we're looking at, at Matt Corral and how early maybe in that day? Yeah, it, it looks like, uh, I mean, he his ADP, and again, we're talking about uh, grinding the mocks, mock draft ADP is 28 overall. I don't think we have many teams in that late first round range that will be looking for a quarterback. Um, Detroit. Know, maybe, Why can't yeah, Detroit take him or, late, yeah, maybe, late, or early in the early in the second even, you know? Or it's right, got to be that, right. that team that trades in to, to get the fifth-year option that everybody talks about. You know, I, the team I would love to see him go, I, I wish he'd go to the Titans and and sit mm. behind Tannehill for a year and and maybe walk into a good spot a year from now. If they were the team that either sat and picked him or even moved up and got him, I might get get on board with that one from a dynasty perspective. Yeah, I think so too. I, I agree with what Matt said. I think he has the highest upside. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like that long ago. Uh, I mean, it was it was this past season. He was a Heisman contender at one point. He was being looked at as, as possibly the quarterback one in the class. That's kind of before the Malik Willis train really took off. Um, and, and you know, maybe that says more about the class than than it does about corral himself but um he definitely has some some traits that we as fantasy managers should be chasing the second guy i wanted to highlight um today is pierre strong who i mentioned earlier south dakota state jack rabbit and a bullet out of the backfield for the jacks over the last handful of years another older prospect i think he's going to be 23 and he is a he's a frontside runner. He it, it, he wants to hit the hole where it's designed to go and hit it full speed and go bursting out the backside. Not really uh, has good vision and and good instincts and feel between the tackles, especially every now and then he'll try to bounce something outside. Um, but a straight downhill runner, and when you get him to full speed, he is going to outrun most everybody that uh, that the defense throws at him. The the negatives probably for Pierre Strong. He wasn't he wasn't a big part of the passing game at South Dakota State. That's never really been a big thing that they do, um, and and that that's seen as a negative by a lot of us. But we should all remember that there's guys like Jonathan Taylor who who didn't do that in college either, and then it turns out could in the, at the next level. Um, he's not going to be a Jonathan Taylor type. He's more of a a change of pace type back and a guy that. If he got into a role, a Raheem Mostert-type role, where he's getting 8 to 12 carries a game, taking over when there's an injury to the guy above him, we could see bursts of running back two-type upside um, in a three- to four-week window. He's a, he's a guy that, if he does develop as a pass catcher to go along with that change of pace, can catch a few passes in a game. I, I could see him in like that Tariq Cohen-type role, something like that. Um but he, but he has to develop as that pass catcher to really, to really get that great upside, that that RB two type upside. Um, he's a guy I'll have on my on my radars in the second round of rookie drafts, especially if he goes to a to a nice landing spot in the middle rounds of the draft, Ryan. Yeah, I, I like Pierre Strong as well. Um, yeah, it's it's all about the speed. I mean, the four three seven forty. Uh, that was the fastest uh, fastest 40 time at the combine for a running back tied for the fastest, I believe. Uh, but we're talking about a guy who's who's 207 pounds. So he's um, he's still sturdy. You're right, Dan, not a huge uh, piece of that that receiving game there at, at South Dakota State. But I do like that he improved like uh, yeah. he became 
right the the numbers improved he became more of a a part of that uh passing offense as his years went along there uh looks like right now a a mid third rounder in rookie drafts uh and the RB10 it was funny to look back at his February rookie ADP when most of us didn't really know who Pierre Strong was 65th overall and the running back 26 in our rookie ADP so he's certainly gained some value since then the combine did a lot of good things for him yep. posting that sub 4 4 40 Matt he's most likely a guy that you're going to want to see land with that zone blocking scheme where it's one yep. cut and run down downhill and get to the second level as quickly as possible is there a landing spot specifically that you like, and what do you like most about Strong? Oh, geez, I haven't even thought about landing spots. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you put me on the spot Tennessee. there. Um, Tennessee for me. Tennessee yeah. is a good one. Um, and, and honestly, I think he's – I think he's. I mean, he's. He's. He has a better pass catching profile in college than Kenneth Walker does, who we're so excited about, right? He's caught twenty, twenty one, and twenty two passes the last two seasons. So, I think twenty twenty is the threshold that I like to see uh, for a player. So, I I like Strong quite a bit, and and may, I don't know if it's just because we've been looking at these guys for for the last three four months now. I guess for I'm sure for you guys longer than that. But the more and more I look at this running back class, I know it's not top heavy and there's not a, you know, a ton of like bell cow options, but I like the 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 running back class as a whole like a lot more the longer I look at it. And Pierre Strong fits right in there um with guys like I think which is Amir White and James Cook and and some of these other guys that we're thinking about uh, in that range Damian Pierce, uh you know, these guys all are going to have roles to play in the NFL, I think. They may never be fantasy stars um for for long periods of time but like you said dan in these windows that we sometimes play within a season you know if you if pierre strong gets a starting gig for three or four games and i I think it could be uh, very fantasy viable and maybe even even very good for fantasy so um he's a player that's definitely intriguing especially if you can get him in the third round of a rookie draft one of his biggest games of his career came this year um against north dakota state one of the better teams in their conference and and really in division two he had 23 carries for 156 yards and a couple of touchdowns, and um, he had multiple secondary cuts where where it was it was uh, it showed that that top end vision and those instincts to to beat that unblocked linebacker on the backside. Those are the kinds of things that probably have NFL um, general managers excited about his upside, especially considering where he's going to get picked in the NFL draft. If you if you have the time, go watch e- even just the highlights. You can find every carry from that game for Pierre Strong. That had to have been one of his strongest games uh, of his of his career. He looked he looked like an NFL caliber back in that game. I watched it that day. I watched every c- carry from that game again, and both times I came away thinking that guy has a future and, and has a role in the right NFL offense. Let's move and on. What to happens the, if? Oh, go ahead. What, what I was going to say, what happens if he goes to a place, one of these places like Atlanta or even Houston, where, you know, it's a team where we don't really want to see a good quarter or excuse me, a good one of these top in the running backs go. Uh, but they just hand they draft him, you know, fairly late in the NFL draft and just hand him the ball. Then he's going to have all kinds of fantasy value. So yeah, he's going to shoot that, up you know, rookie have, draft boards, too. If that happens. Yeah, 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 that's true. But I mean, I don't think it'll be a first round pick even then. Do you? I guess there's maybe the 12th say yes, pick fifth or round draft capital. That. If it's fifth round, maybe not, but he's going to be a top 15 or 16 pick if he gets the right landing spot. I think there's the potential for that. Um, Ryan, you want to, you want to crack the seal on tight ends for these conversations that we've had? Yeah, yeah, I do. We, you know, we talked a lot about tight end one last year. We haven't talked much about tight end one this year in the rookie (laughs) class. I don't, I'm going to blame Matt for that. Um, Yeah. Trey McBride every week. (laughs) Trey McBride is, is seemingly the, the runaway tight end one in the class, uh, projected to be a, a top 50 pick. He's been the, the tight end one in, uh, I think, just, just about every mock draft I've looked at. He's been the tight end one in our ADP. Super productive. Um, led the FBS in, uh, led FBS tight ends in receptions and yardage uh, last year. Only had one touchdown. Uh, I, I know. Colorado State offense in general uh, struggled to score, honestly, but that was that was uh, something that seems to be an issue for McBride. That he just uh, not not much of a red zone weapon. That's not what we like to see from from our uh, 
big bulky tight ends, but uh, uh, in general, I think he's looking like a like a second round pick. That that suggests that there's that teams expect him to develop into a starting tight end. He's more of the even though he was the he was the best player, best pass catcher on that offense. Yeah. There were times when he kind of disappeared from the offense, mm-hmm. and you know teams were able to take him away. That doesn't really really suggests that he's going to be the middle of the field dominating target that some of these high-end dynasty tight ends have become. I don't know if that's his upside. Most likely, Matt, we're probably looking at Trey McBride as a guy with like tight end eight type ultimate upside in fantasy. So we have to decide as dynasty managers, how high are we willing, willing to take a player with that kind of pedigree and upside? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have the elite speed. He doesn't have the – I mean, he's got decent size. He didn't blow us away in terms of that athletic uh, uh, performance of the combine. We don't have a 40 time on him, so we're not sure, uh, you know, quite how quite athletic he is. But, you know, 90 receptions in college seems like a lot for a tight end. So, you know, he can he can produce if he's put in that that kind of situation, if he's going to be the, the, main, the tight end one for a team. You know, I think he could have some decent seasons. But you're right. I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he's probably a mid to late tight end one at, at his ultimate upside. The, the biggest concern with me is that you just don't really see the play strength show up on field that, that much. He, he seems to get bounced around a lot for a guy that's 6'4", 200, almost 250 pounds. Um, so that's, that's concerning a little bit. Uh, and you know, he's a, he's a good, I just think he's a, he's a good all around tight end, you know, like giant hands, 10 and 10 and a ten and what, 10 and an eighth hand inch hands. If, if he and, uh, Kenny Pickett held hands, you wouldn't even be able to see Kenny Pickett's hands. So, <laughs> uh, so, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's fine. He's, he's fine. You mentioned the one touchdown, Ryan, just one in his final season. He caught 90 passes though. 1100 yards. Yeah. So productive. And there were there were highlight real type plays. So although he disappeared at times, there are reasons to be excited about his seam stretching ability and, and the maybe at the next level he's that guy that lulls you to the sleep with the crossing route and five yard out and then gets over the top on a linebacker and makes the big play down the seam for a touchdown. Um that offense, like you said, Ryan, not not the most dynamic in college football. And to be the best player on that team and, and and for the offense to struggle as much as it did and still catch 90 passes, still go over 1,000 yards, even with the one touchdown, that's a pretty impressive feat in my opinion. Somebody else only had one touchdown last season. He is pretty good, Kyle Pitts. Mm. Way to bring it back there, Matt. Uh, <laughs> Matt, how about that fourth quarterback? Is there another guy you want to talk about? Yeah, Sam Howell, I've really come around on. I'm, I'm not. I kind of go back and forth with him as my quarterback three or quarterback two. I think Corral is probably going to end up being my two, depending on on landing spot and all that. But Sam Howell, the thing really I really like about him is that we've saw we've seen both kind of both aspects of his game. You know, last season uh, when he had Diami Brown and Daz Newsome and Javante Williams and. Michael Carter, all these guys that went to the NFL, you saw, you really saw the, the passing come to the forefront. Uh, and then this season, he had basically had no weapons, and all of a sudden he had to be everything for the offense. So you saw the rushing ability come in. 183 rushes uh, carries this, this uh, season, 820 yards, 11 rushing touchdowns. And I don't necessarily think that is his game, but you do see him out there run, as, a, as an open field runner and, and defender, some defenders just bouncing off of him. He's just really like has this tight, compact frame, which you know, it's not necessarily what you want out of a quarterback from a passing standpoint, but uh, and I don't necessarily think he's going to be a, a rush first kind of guy, but he can do that. He can be a multi-threat option for a team, and even if it's not, you know, uh, uh, up to the standards of like a Malik Willis or even a Matt Corral in terms of rushing ability, I think he'll be a, a weapon near the near the goal line, uh, and for you know, picking up those ten, fifteen yard scrambles on, on third and long, something like that. So uh, I've I've come around on him. It's nice to see production in both phases of the game, even. That they didn't come in the same season, um, so he feels like a pretty safe super flex pick in, in in the second round. If you don't want to spend top end capital for someone like Malik Willis, pretty pretty safe. If you're looking for an NFL backup quarterback, go ahead and go ahead and draft <laughs> Howell. Uh, he, he's fine. Wow. He's developmental at best. He, he's not going to compete for a, a starting job as a rookie. He, he's going to have to sit behind somebody for most likely multiple years. He's you know, North Carolina, go watch him play. And every time he takes a snap and looks up, 
he looks at one target and throws the ball. Yep. He doesn't make multiple reads. That's something he's going to have to develop at the next level. He his so there is no decision making process. And although he's he's pretty accurate, he he's he's got some really nice throws. In fact, he he feathers throws between defenders and and all those things. He I just don't know how well it translates because he's going to have to add one of the most important parts of of being a quarterback to his game uh, when he starts playing on Sunday. So so it really feels like he's a backup to me. That I would much rather have Desmond Ritter than him, personally. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan, do you have any insight when it comes to Howell? I, I guess I side a little more with Matt. I, I like Howell, um, and I, I think I just think we're we're undervaluing him. I mean, we we basically like Malik Willis because he can run and he has a big arm, and Sam Howell has shown the same things. He can run and he has. Oh, a big he doesn't arm. have an arm like Willis's. Well, I don't, nobody does, but I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he does. Yeah, and and maybe that's not what you were saying. Sorry, but, I, I, but I, he, no, he has no, no rocket I, arm. He has a sufficient arm. He has, he has above average arm strength probably. And, and, and I would say an above average runner for a quarterback. He's, I mean, he's not as fast sure. as Malik Willis. I'm not trying to, uh, to, to say that, but I think he has, he's kind of the, the one step down version of everything we like about Malik Willis you guys were talking about him as a second round uh, rookie pick. That's that's the problem, and that's the problem with this class is that right now Sam Howell is a late first round rookie pick in super flex leagues, and we're, you're just not getting that that discount that you would like. Is there anybody else that we missed, guys? Somebody else that we should throw in there? Maybe Desmond Ritter. He's got he's got a little bit of. He's got a little bit of juice right now. There's 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 a few people talking about him as a as an early day two pick, potentially landing with a team that that could need a quarterback if they don't take one earlier in the first round. Um, anybody else that we need to we need to mention here? I mean, there's a lot of guys we could talk about. We haven't talked about John Mechie at all. Uh, you know, I, I've heard. I think it was uh, Daniel Jeremiah this week talking about how he seems like the perfect Packers receiver. That wouldn't be that exciting to me. Um, but you know, I think he is, he has kind of got lost a little bit in this process. And at running back, I think we could throw a, a whole bunch of names out there. Tyler Algier, we haven't talked about a converted linebacker who ha- has shown some explosiveness and, and, uh, as a running back and he hasn't been playing the position for very long, very long. So there's untapped upside there. Kyron Williams has been dead this entire process <laughs> since the combine, but somebody's going to draft him and somebody's going to have him in a pass catching pass blocking role. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of other guys we talk about. Tyler Beatty. We haven't talked about James Cook at all. I'm really excited about yeah, James Cook heck? and his pass kicking ability. I mean, he, he, I don't think he's going to be a three-down back, but I think he could be a three-down back if, if, they, if somebody wanted to use him that way. Uh, so there's a whole lot of excitement, I think, uh, once we get into uh, late day two and, and, you know, I guess day three as well, uh, just in terms of, of NFL possibilities with these guys. Maybe not, you know, a consistent fantasy starter, but somebody we need to keep on our radar for those priorities waiver wire ads after they inevitably get dropped after their first season other running backs i don't think you mentioned there damian pierce a guy that that seems to be moving up a little bit and then brian robinson ryan i know you mentioned him a couple times just just when we're talking about tailbacks uh he seems to have a little upside as well at the next level the dlf dynasty podcast mock draft all right, first time this offseason we're going to do the single quarterback rookie mock draft. I had the number one pick, followed by Ryan and Matt. We'll try to get all 24 picks in in about 10 minutes. So let's fire this thing off. <laughs> I'm going to stay stay true to my board. It's been this way all offseason. I've had Traylon Burks as my number one pick. I'm going to stick to it until he's drafted somewhere that that I don't think he can put up that kind of production. I just love that guy when I watch him on the field. So I want him on my fantasy teams. Uh, that makes it easy on me. I'll go with Brees Hall at the 1.02. I do think he's the, the favorite to be the 101 in, in most drafts uh, that Dan's not in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm trading yeah. down for the record. If I have the number one pick and want to take Burks, I'm going to try to trade down and get something. Good call. Good call. Yeah, at three, I, I think I'll take the safest player in this draft class. And that's for me, that's Garrett Wilson. I just don't see him missing you know i could you could make i think you could make a case for burks busting i think you could make a case for drake london busting but garrett wilson i think even if he at his worst case scenario you know i think he's a a double 
Right now, I have Drake London as my number two player in my single quarterback rankings. Actually, he's my number two player in my super flex rankings as well. So I'll take London. But I, I got to throw out the caveat that these things could change come come oh, Thursday yeah. night. It's going to change so much. It's going to change drastically for everybody, really. Anybody doing mocks right now, most likely there's going to be some information that comes out in the coming days leading up to the draft and then certainly on draft night. That makes us adjust these rankings. I think these running backs are the safe ones to be to be. If they're already in the top few, they're probably going to stick and stay in those top five or six picks. Other than that, these wide receivers are going to change a lot. Ryan, you're up at 105. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that that they're going to change. I think everybody understands that. That's really, honestly, the point of doing this pre-draft mock. You said earlier in the show we'll do another one next week. And it's really just to see how the value of these players has changed as a result of the NFL draft. Uh, I guess I'll I'll play it safe then. I will take that running back, uh, Kenneth Walker. Uh, I will make him the RB2, the fifth overall player. Uh, I, I expect him to be the second running back drafted in the NFL draft. And uh, he, he's definitely a guy who's grown on me uh, over the past couple months. Those are my top five players. Not in the order, obviously, that I would have picked them, but those are the top five, Matt. Are they your top five players? No. I would swap out a different wide receiver for London and another wide receiver for Walker, but they're not far off. They would be six and seven for me probably okay um but i will i have i have i have four wide receivers in my in my very top tier and that's wilson who's off the board that's burks who's already off the board so there's two of them left and i'll take the probably the more risky of the of the two but the more upside and that's Jamison williams yeah there, there's a lot of talk out there that he's seen as the number one wide receiver in the class by by many of the front offices out there we'll see how that plays out on draft night, maybe maybe the injury drops him down, although I think that's a risky move. If you think he's the number one wide receiver in the draft and you hold a, a pick to take him, it, passing on him is a mistake. An ACL these days is not knocking players out for big chunks of their career. There's a good chance he's, he's back off the pup list in week seven. And if he's the best player in the class, he might be, be in dynasty lineups by then. Uh, I'm up at the 107, and I'll take the next wide receiver on my list. I actually have him at number six overall. That's Chris Olave out of yep. Ohio State. Um, he he feels like the the end of a tier for me, uh, mini tier. Maybe there's one yep. more player that's worth taking. Uh, Ryan, you're up at the 108. Yeah, definitely that was the end of, of a tier in my opinion. So uh, I'm in the tough Agreed. spot to uh, to start the next tier. Uh, I know the two guys I'm looking at, Matt, is a big fan of both of those, so I guess maybe I'll make his decision easy. I'm going to go with the wide receiver, George Pickens, here. I think if he gets that that, that late first-round draft capital, uh, Matt mentioned it earlier in the show, we could be talking about him as as a top three or four pick instead of closer to the, the back part of the first round. So Matt's upset that he didn't get his wide receiver in a fake Fake football. <laughs> What's new? What's new? I just don't like it when somebody takes my guys. Um, there's a bunch of guys here, and, man, it's just a really is just a big, big, big mess right now. I, I, I think once you get past Pickens, there's, I think you can make an argument for seven or eight players at mm-hmm. this point. Uh, I'm going to take – I'm going to maybe go off a little board. This is off board a little bit. I'm going to take Sky Moore. To me, I feel like – the decision is between I'm just going to say it because who's who cares about spoilers at this point between <laughs> Dotson and and Sky Moore and you know Dotson is 20 pounds lighter a little bit taller a year older they feel very similar to me I think Dotson you know has them in the long speed for sure but if I'm going to choose between these two players which are both probably going to profile as a slot receiver at the next level I, I want Sky Moore over Dotson right now yeah, you got me on that one, Matt. I would have taken Sky Moore with this pick for sure. I had him at ninth in my rankings. Um, man, there, it feels like a tear break after every single pick at this point to me. You, you said there were six or seven worth considering. I definitely wanted a Lave where I got him. I definitely would have taken George Pickens by a long ways at that pick. And then I definitely would have taken Sky Moore again okay. at the number nine. Here is where I feel there are four or five guys worth taking. And, and, Dotson just isn't really my kind of guy. He he's so yeah. under undersized, and I just don't see him 
becoming even a wide receiver two for dynasty managers. So this is another spot where I'd definitely be trading out if I had to make a pick right here, trying to move around. I am going to take a guy who I think could project in the long term to be that kind of wide receiver that can can become a wide receiver too in dynasty. That's Christian Watson from North Dakota State. He's moved up a few times in my rankings. Apparently, I need to move him up one more spot because I have him at 11 in my current <laughs> rankings, and I just picked him at 10. Um, agree with you guys that this this tier is is pretty tightly packed. You can make a case for different guys. Dotson certainly one of them. I'm going to go uh, with the running back though. I said I, I thought he had fallen too far. I thought the hate was going too far. I'm going to take hmm. Isaiah Spiller here at 11. That's the guy yeah, I, I had I at 10. I was going to take him if I stuck to my rankings, and I decided to go with the number 11 a guy. So if you look at my rankings after this is recorded, <laughs> they'll be changed. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I'd be able to get him at 12, so that's that's annoying. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, I guess I will. Uh, I, I'll go. I will go with Dotson and Brugler's mock. He got. He was. He was the 32nd pick by the Lions. Uh, so he had that first round draft capital based on just on his long speed. Uh, he could end up as a first rounder in the NFL draft. I kind of don't think so, but if he does, then I think he'll get much, drafted much higher than 112. So the first round is in the books. I had the number one pick, so Traylon Burks went number one. Then it was Brees Hall to Ryan and Garrett Wilson to Matt, followed by Drake London, Kenneth Walker, and Jamison Williams. The second half of round one went Chris Olave, George Pickens, Sky Moore, Christian Watson, Isaiah Spiller, and Jahan Dotson. So lots and lots of wide receivers. In fact, nine of them, three running backs go in the top 12 picks. We haven't seen a quarterback or tight end. We'll see if that gets changed early in round two uh since Dotson goes off the board who who fits right in here for sure I think I'm gonna go with a guy that I I probably think more highly than most it's John Mechie from Alabama he's another guy with an injury um but I think he's he he and Jahan Dotson are the same guy to me and and it it feels like they should be valued the same they certainly are not in our rankings, he, his average rank among the, the group of us that rank over here is 20.25, and I have him at 13. So I, I'm, I'm the highest on him. I think he's going to develop into a very useful NFL receiver and probably has, has like mid to late our, our wide receiver two type upside if he lands in the right spot. I'm really interested to see where he, where he gets drafted and what round, what kind of draft capital he gets. I think that leaves me up at 2.02. You know, we, we made this point uh, last week or the week before when we were drafting quarterbacks that we we think those quarterbacks will ultimately be drafted higher than where we were taking them. But because of just the uncertainty, the lack of clarity in where they'll be drafted or what order they'll be drafted, we, we ended up pushing them down. I think the same thing is happening with this group of running backs right now. Um I like a lot of the running backs, but they're all kind of close. So I'm, I'm going to stick with the wide receiver position. Uh, I'm going to take yet another guy who's been a, been a follower this uh, pre-draft process. Ugh. I'm going to go with David Bell from Purdue. Um, not worried about the 40, not worried about the combine in general. I think he can play in the league. Are you concerned love- about Matt's grunts? Uh <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to comment on Matt's grunts, actually. <laughs> you know, I, well, I'm the I, guy who makes the draft order every week, and I can assure that Matt's going to be following Ryan the rest of the way this offseason. <laughs> this is just too much fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, I, I love David Bell, and I know I think it was he fell to the late third or something to the Packers in, uh, in Brugler's mock. I'm, I'm fine with that. I would love to see him as a Packer. He's just he's somebody who's always open. He's he, you know, call him Keenan Allen, call him uh, Jarvis Landry, whatever you want to call him. He's somebody who can thrive in, with, with a high-volume uh, passing attack. You know, he may not have a ton of yak ability, doesn't have the athleticism, but he's going to be a chain mover at the next level. So I love that pick. And uh, pretty, Even pretty, though you, pretty you, you said that, you can't take him. Like, I know. <laughs> you got to move I on. <laughs> and, like, this is the point where, like, who cares? Just pick your favorite player. I think uh, yeah. of the next, in the, in the next set, like at the, after the two hundred two and a in a, yeah. in a one quarterback I, league. I think. I mean, it's I really think take it, the whole the whole draft is going to be a get your guy draft. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, absolutely. you can't play games and trade down and 
hundred percent. Yeah. So who you got, man? Well, uh, man, I'm gonna. I will go to running back, and he's, if he gets six round draft capital, then he's, he's, this is a terrible pick. But I, I still have some love for Rashad White and his receiving ability. You know, he could catch sixty balls a, a season if he could get some between the tackles work as well. Um, then we have a, a fantasy running back on our hands here. So I'll, I'll take him as the running back. Four. That that lines up with current ADP, and, and maybe he does fall to day three, and that ruins all this, and we're talking about him in round three of our rookie drafts next week. But I think he belongs right here. He's certainly in my rankings right in this range, and I have the same kind of kind of feel for his upside if he lands in the right spot with a little bit of draft capital. I still feel like there's some upside there. So I don't mind White going there at the 203. I'm up at 204. And I'm thrilled to get Jalen Tolbert for all the reasons that I mentioned earlier in the show. I'm up at 205. I will, uh, I'll take uh, my guy that we also talked about earlier in the show, Wandell Robinson. I'll go with another running back, James Cook. Again, somebody that's going to catch a lot of passes in the right situation. That puts me up at the 207. I'm going to take the Florida running back right here, Damian Pierce. A lot of people think he belongs maybe in the third round of rookie drafts or maybe a little later in the in the second. I like him right in this range. In fact, he's the next guy in my rankings. So I have him at 18 overall right now. I think he, he could get drafted in or like early in the third round of the NFL draft. And if he gets one of these these prime landing spots, we could be talking about him even a few spots higher than where I got him here. Yeah, it's definitely time for that running back tier that I was talking about earlier, Cook and Pierce, uh, a couple of good picks. My favorite guy, I think, from that group, actually Cook is my favorite guy from that group, so good uh, good grab, Matt. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Brian Robinson here, though. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, I'm... I like that. Uh, I like that he added the receiving game, receiving part of his game. Uh, this past year, we talked about strong. Kind of did the same thing. Uh, I don't don't necessarily see Robinson as a uh, as a every down back ever in the league, but just that he was able uh, to to show that part of his game feels feels good. Matt, you're up at well, the two hundred nine. I- yeah, I'm a little surprised at 207 you went Pierce over your boy Strong, Dan, so I'm going to take him here at oh. 209. Nice, nice pick. Uh, that's fine. Yes. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, a little, I'm a little upset about that. that you know, <laughs> I, I, like Pierce, I have Pierce a little bit higher in my rankings. I thought for sure Strong would last to my, last, to my final pick at the 210. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that other people are in on Pierre Strong as a, as a guy with a little bit of upside going into the draft. I have one guy above above Malik Willis in my rankings, but since I've been painted as the guy that hates him, I'm going to take Malik <laughs> Willis right here at the 210. I think that's a great spot for him. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I took Robinson at 208. I was debating between he and Zamir White, uh, so I'll go with White here. Uh, just less less upside, far less upside as a, as a receiver. Yeah, that's the guy I had over Malik Willis, but... Uh... I had to do it for the brand. <laughs> uh, well, there's there's two that I'm considering. The 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 buzz right now is it feels like it's on Alec Pierce, so I'll go his direction. Some people have comped him to Jordy Nelson. That seems really strong to me. Um, I mean, I, I, I kind of have a hard time. I have a hard time <laughs> really really believing that. But he's big. He's got. He's fast. He can catch the ball. I think he really got propped up a lot by uh, Ritter this the, with Ritter's big season. Um, the other guy, just just real quick, the other guy I did uh, consider here was uh, Justin Ross. Uh, see if he can get back to form, but he's he's so scary. The floor is is lava with him. Um, but if a team takes a shot on him, um, I'll I'll still be interested. Well, so we get yeah, through twenty four picks and no Trey McBride. Oh, I I forgot about him. Oh. You could give him to me at two twelve if you want. <laughs> he's just that's how that's how he is. He's a solid, forgettable tight end. <laughs> I am Ryan, glad I that cut you off. Sorry. No, I'm glad that Matt took Pierce though, because I think there's three wide receivers that look like they're going to get that day two draft capital, which yeah. is is so important that we're we're mostly ignoring we being the the dynasty community in general. Pierce 
is one of them. Khalil Shakir from Boise State is mm-hmm. another. Calvin Austin from Memphis is the third. Um, Austin, just like my guy Wandale, is, is also 5'8". So um, that's that's the knock on him. But I, if, if you look at these mock drafts and, and trust them, and, and I know that's, you know, you got to be careful with that, obviously. Um, but it, it looks like those three guys are going in the third round, second or third round. And if that happens, that's going to change their dynasty value. Yeah, we're going to be talking about him. One guy that I know we're over time, but one guy that I watched a lot over the last handful of days is Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor, mm-hmm. that super fast kid, totally raw wide receiver prospect. But he's got a little bit of buzz now, maybe late day two. And if that happens, that that could bump him into that round three conversation. I moved him up my rankings as well guys this is the last time we're gonna we're gonna chat till we get together in person really uh so um everybody out there enjoy the nfl draft make sure to follow us all on twitter at ryan mc 23 matt's at matt price ff i'm at dmiler 22 also follow the podcast at dlf podcast for matt and ryan i'm dan thanks for watching or listening to this episode of the dlf dynasty podcast we'll catch you after the nfl draft thank you for listening to the dlf dynasty podcast please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts